and welcome back into the Corked Up podcast here on Two Sons Pods with your hosts, uh, Jack Savio, that is me. Joined as always, of course, Frank Neris. Frankie, how you doing, man? Doing good, man. Doing good. Football is slowly creeping upon us. Um, I am slowly uh, really hating this 2019 Cubs team. That'll be something we'll get into here in a moment. <laughs> but um, other than that, everything's great. How are you feeling? Oh, I'm doing wonderful, Frank. The uh, the Cardinals are going to win the NL Central. Uh, the Houston Astros are going to run away with the World Series. <laughs> Not even going to be close. Uh, but it doesn't matter because, as you mentioned, football season is upon us. I think this might be the first time in about, what, like eight years maybe that that Cubs fans are more excited for the Bears to start than Bears fans are excited about baseball. I don't know. It sounds about right, yeah. But uh, on today's show, we got some some pretty good stuff here that the uh, MLB trade deadline has come and gone. Uh, this is the first year that they do the one hard trade deadline. So there's no waiver trade deadline anymore. It is July 31st. That's it. Make your trades then and there or you can't trade for the rest of the rest of the season. Um, so there were a couple moves dealt uh, specifically with the Cubs. Um, the the White Sox did do a little bit. They made they traded off Nate Jones. I'm just going to get it out of the way, Frank, because it really I mean, they got a couple, you know, bullpen arms from the from the Texas Rangers, from the farmhands. Uh, a couple guys there um, that might end up turning into something, but it'll probably be a while before they do. Um, they did not trade Jose Abreu. They did not trade Alex Colome. They did not trade John Jay, which was a little surprising that some of those guys weren't dealt. Um, Colome, I thought it was kind of a now or never move because his his velocity has been pretty bad, and he's he's his ERA in general. It's, while it looks good on the outside, I feel like a lot of it has had to do with luck um, and and usage as well. So. Kind of thought he would have been traded. Um, so, but you know, other than that, the White Sox really didn't do a whole lot. Um, the Cubs did make a couple trades. We will get into that. Uh, but just to kind of give you guys an overview of today's show, um, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the other big name moves around the trade deadline. Not going to get into it too much because there wasn't anything really crazy that happened except for one big trade, uh, which we'll definitely talk about. And then uh, after that, we're going to talk a little NFL training camp. I know a lot of people, Frank, have been asking you for begging you to have us talk about some NFL football, which we will definitely, definitely do uh, here coming up. And then in the second half, uh, we'll we'll do a little bit of Bears breakdown, uh, continue that segment. Frank, I've really enjoyed it. I, I, don't I know have too. You, but uh, getting to know these players a little bit more has been fun. Um, this week, we're going to be doing the Bears linebacking core. Uh, Frank, you asked me a little bit earlier for including outside linebackers in that. Uh, yes, we are. So it's right, left, middle, all that good stuff. Backups as well. Uh, and then, of course, we're going to continue Jackie Moon's top five favorite NFL players. Uh, this week, we are doing the AFC East. We're kicking things off, uh, as, some of you, as some of you might remember from last week, uh, Patriots and Dolphins. Frank, it wasn't as difficult as I thought it was going to be for the Dolphins. Um, Patriots, uh, a little easier than I thought it would be. Uh, it's not fun. Uh, Tom Brady is not on my list. Just for those wondering, uh, he did not make my list. Uh, fuck Tom Brady. I hate him more than any other player in NFL You're history. A fucking hater. Yeah, I am. Get over it. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to kick things off with the, the, the Cubs moves. Um, so the, the, I'll kind of address the, the, the earliest one that did happen. Uh, the Cubs moved Martin Maldonado, who they traded for from the Royals. They traded, uh, Mike Montgomery for him a little bit earlier when Wilson Contreras was out with injury. 
Um, now that he's back, they didn't really feel a need for to carry three catchers, um, which is something we talked about last week on the show. Um, so they made a move for with the Astros. They traded Maldonado there, and they got back Tony Kemp, who is uh, kind of a utility guy. Um, you know, he wasn't super offensively productive for the Houston Astros. Um, you know, Frank, I know you don't, I know you didn't know a ton about him, but what were your initial thoughts on just kind of Maldonado being moved? Um, well, firstly, I knew we were both completely wrong about, you know, about our first thoughts when we got him. Granted, we did say we have no idea what this means, but we do know that means a trade has to be coming, but I never forecasted it being him. Cause that, I guess at that point, it's like, why did you trade for him in the first place? Maybe they did think, um, at that point, Wilson was hurt. Maybe, maybe they thought his injury was worse than it actually was. And once they realized that it wasn't, you know, get rid of him and get what you can in terms of getting, you know, what we got in return, it just begs the question, like how many utility guys do we, do we need? Like, I, I just feel like everyone on this fucking team is a utility guy. You right. know what I mean? Like it, it, I, the, I, I would certainly hope this means that the Scalzo was gone. If we can fake an injury, get, get something to just get him out of there and, and um, you know, get, get the new fella in. But, that also just kind of adds into what we talked about. We didn't really want a revolving door at second base because I'm seeing reports on now that Robel Garcia may be going back down, but it's like, why? He, he's explosive. He's a guy that, you know, if he gets hot, he looks like he can really contribute to this offense. Um, I, I don't know. I wasn't the, the most mad at the trade because Maldonado clearly was expendable. He didn't really fit with us in the first place, especially when Wilson was healthy, but um, it was just kind of an ad trade for me. It was something yeah. that I would have liked in the off season instead of getting the scalzo to someone that can fill in at second, left and right. But like now that we have the team that we do, ah, it's, I'm just it's I'm kind of, you know, in the middle on it. Yeah. So I was kind of there as well. I, I, I had liked Tony Kemp for a little bit of different reasons when he was with the Astros. I thought he was a good player, um, maybe not as, as bad as as other people had, but certainly not a, a guy who's going to obviously put the Cubs over the top. Right. Uh, to, you know, getting back on track here. But uh, um, I did find an interesting fact on Twitter that I did share. Um, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at Jack underscore Savio five at Frankie G Lyrical at Two Sons Pods and at Corked Up Podcast. Um, I did tweet this out from Jordan Bassey and one of uh, a guy who works at MLB Network. Uh, he said Tony Kemp has a 85.2 contact percentage, 89.3 contact percent in the zone. Uh, 6.7 swinging strike percentage. So he doesn't really swing and miss a lot, which is really right. good because the Cubs have been really bad in that. And that he kind of follows that up with the 2019 Cubs have a 73.3 contact percentage, which is 15th in the NL, uh, 83 contact percent in the zone, which is 14th in the NL and 12.4 swinging strike percentage 15th. Oh. Um, so they're, they're a team that does swing and miss a lot. Um, they don't really hit a lot of contact. Uh, Tony Kemp is a guy that if he's, you know, kind of does what his career has kind of trended towards, he could be a little more of a contact guy. Um, now, is he going to drive in, you know, 87 <laughs> runs? Probably not. But, right. uh, you know, he doesn't swing, swing and miss, which I think is what probably made him a little more attractive to this Cubs team. And Maldonado, while he's a great catcher in terms of defensively, his offensive production just isn't going to get you what you need. So, I think it's an I think it's a decent move. I think we've probably seen the last of Daniel Descalso now that uh, Tony Kemp is on this team. Um, the other moves that they made, um, I want to save the big one for last because um, that was the last one that happened. Um, well, I guess this technically was, but uh, the Cubs have actually decided to move on from Carl Edwards Jr., which was a little, honestly a little surprising. 
Um, you know, I, I know a lot of people were looking at it as a good move just because they needed, um, you know, they wanted to give him a fresh start. So they traded him to the Padres for left-handed pitcher Brad Wyke. Wyke? I don't know. Uh, I think he's it's six, Wyke, yeah. He's like 6'9", so uh, <laughs> he's, he's massive. Uh, he's, he's got a 6 ERA right now, um, but obviously the Cubs see something in him. I mean, big, tall lefty. I think that's that's going to play pretty well. Um, Frank, I, don't worry about the, what they got from right now. I'm just curious. What did you, th- you know, were you surprised that they decided to move on from Carl? Um, not really. I, I, just because he's just one of those dudes that they've given so many chances to, and it's clear that they gave up on him, but they were very high on him and probably are still very high on him, but just understand that you can't keep trotting him out, you know, um, day after day and year after year, when really at this point, the timeline, he was supposed to be the closer or a lockdown setup guy at this point. You know what I mean? So I think they're looking at it for him as just a change of scenery. Let's, let's get him somewhere where he has a chance to do something. Um, And then, you know, I know you said don't touch on it, but I don't really have too big of a take. So I'll just get it out of the way. It sounds like a change of scenery for both guys, two guys that have some talent that just didn't really fit where where they were or weren't really producing. So let's just go ahead and, uh, you know, give both of these guys a chance to do something different with a different team. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, like I mentioned, Carl Edwards, I, I, it's it's disappointing the way his career kind of turned out. Um, I remember specifically, uh, I want to say it was October 10th. I don't know. That was the first time I went to a Blackhawks game. That was my first Blackhawks game I went to. And I remember they were in the playoffs and Carl came in and he, he just got lit up. And it was just you kind of felt that was kind of a, a crescendo for his career. Um, it's interesting that he is that now the two guys who pitched in the 10th inning for the for the World yeah. Series are gone um, and him and Mike Montgomery. So uh, good luck to him. You know, I'm, I'm I'm not I don't hate him like a lot of other Cubs. fans. I don't either. Do. And the thing uh, is, you know, for everyone who hates him, you guys have to take a step back here. Like when you forget baseball, I got a chance to meet this dude. He came out to a summer camp um, one year with an organization that I was working with. And this dude sat, he stood an extra 30, 45 minutes to sign autographs on bats and balls and hats. And he's a, he's a great dude. You know what I mean? Like you, you always root for guys like that. It's unfortunate he couldn't produce. And it is frustrating whether or not you meet the guy or not when they're not producing, but like, let's, let's jump up. Let's, you know, get away from the ledge here and stop, you know, acting like we just won the lottery by getting rid of some, like relax. You know what I mean? It's not that serious. Uh, the Cubs also added a right-handed reliever, David Phelps. Uh, that was a little bit earlier in the week. Uh, they traded him, to- him for Thomas Hatch, one of their prospects. Uh, he was a Thomas Hatch was a third rounder in 2016. Uh, I did tweet out this that I thought was a little bit funny. Um, you know, there's some significant players that went after him, uh, including Cody <laughs> Bellinger was one of those guys, which would have been nice. Uh, but you know, that's that's just baseball drafts. You never know who's gonna yeah. turn into what. So. Um, Obviously, you'd like to get a little bit luckier than that, but it is what it is. Uh, the biggest trade that happened for the Cubs is that they did, in fact, acquire a player that they had been linked to, been rumored to as well for for good long while, actually. Um, the Cubs did trade for Nicholas Castellanos. Uh, they traded him for their number 16 pitching prospect, Paul Riken, and uh, their number 23 prospect, I believe, and Alex Lang. Um, so, you know, maybe not as much as as maybe not as much as the, a lot of fans thought they'd have to give up for Castellanos. He is yeah. a free agent at the end of this year. Um, right fielder will definitely be playing a lot against lefted, left-handed pitchers because he absolutely crushes lefties, which is something this, this lineup was absolutely dying for. Yeah. Um, I think it's a really good move. They really didn't have to give up a whole lot. 
um, which is kind of refreshing after seeing the Cubs maybe overpay for a couple guys in the past couple of years here. So um, I don't hate the trade. I, I think he can be a, a really nice addition. Um, I know Jed Hoyer said it just always felt like we were one bat short. So, you know, hopefully this is the, the extra bat that they need. Uh, Frank, they need to start stringing some wins together here or they're going to lose control of this division pretty quickly. Agreed. And I really hope that means that we get to see a lot less of Almora in center and we shift Hayward to center for the majority of, you know, the rest of this season, just because Almora just hasn't, hasn't been what, you know, we thought he was going to be. He, he's been, I mean, really kind of the same player, which isn't really a good thing. We, you know, I think everyone, I speak for a lot of fans in saying that we didn't think he was going to be a superstar by any means, but just more of a consistent player. And, not not looking at, not having his defensive stats in front of me, just seeing the eye test. He hasn't even looked like the gold glover that we thought he could be in center. So if you're not going to hit and you're not going to feel to the degree that someone like Jason Hayward, who you can justify being in there every day because he's such a good right fielder. Granted, he's hitting better this year, but, yeah. you know, I, I, I hope that's what that means. I know he can also spell Schwarber and left against left-handed hitting as well. So that adds some good versatility there, but I like the move. We didn't give up that much. I think, um, just like you said, ultimately, and, and really this is my last thing uh, on, on the Cubs, if you wanted to, to round us out after, like, I have to say, I'm 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 really starting to emotionally dis- disconnect myself from this team. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not a fan anymore. That does not mean I'm a Fairweather fan. I'm going to watch. I'm going to, you know, listen on the radio. I'm going to get frustrated when they lose. But in terms of my expectations, it, this just doesn't feel like this nucleus of the team is so good. So my expectations were so high and they seem to be producing when you look at the, just their numbers, but it's just like something's missing with this team. So I don't want to set myself up for failure and say, oh, it's World Series or bust when – like that's my fan in me. The analyst in me, the person who knows baseball, realizes that this team does not have what it takes. You know what I mean? Like, uh, So it, it, it's very hard for me to you know continue to think of them as this powerhouse team – when in reality, our whole division fucking sucks. Like, you look at the standings, we would all be in second or third place or fourth place in some divisions all over uh, the AL and the NL. So. Yeah, the, you kind of hit the nail on the head. It always, for for this year specifically, I, I can't remember a time where it just felt like there was just always something. It's always something with this team. If it's, you know, I know I touched on this a little bit last week as well, and it just rings true with the way that they've been playing recently, the way they played in Milwaukee and the way they're playing in St. Louis, where it's just, it's always something with this team you just can't win like that you just need to be able to to kind of put your foot on the necks of these teams and just just can't i'm not they're not going to pull away from this division i think it's going to be kind of go to the last week or so honestly between the top three teams right now um i'm not ready to give up on the cubs i know you're not saying you are either but the way that their pitching has gone i mean at some point they're going to get Cole hamels back which will be a nice little boost um, hopefully that's sooner rather than later, but it, it just, they need to kind of start controlling some of these mental errors that they've had. Um, but yeah, that, that kind of does it for me on the Cubs. Um, overall, I thought it was a good trade deadline. You know, could, could Same. it be better? Sure. Of course. Could it be worse? Yeah. I think not doing anything would have been a, and <laughs> nothing more than Tony Kemp, I think would have been uh would have been a mistake for this franchise and would have confused a lot of people. Um, you know, real quick, last thing. Um, for people wondering why they didn't trade Almora, if they're going to bring in another outfielder, um, there weren't a lot of position players that got a lot of value. You didn't get a lot of value for position players. It was mostly pitching. Um, so, you know, maybe they just weren't getting offers for the Cubs. You know, maybe they just yeah. weren't getting what they wanted. So 
see, kind of just hang on to him, see what he can do. He's still a cost-control player, Schwarber, yep. Almora. So see what happens there. Uh, just moving on real quickly to the bigger moves around the Major League Baseball trade deadline. Um, you know, one that happened last night uh, was the uh, was the big Reds Brewer, uh, Bre- Reds Indians and Padres trade um, where the Reds essentially get Trevor Bauer, um, which I think is a huge out of left field trade. Um, Yeah. Did not expect the Reds to be really big players in this. Uh, The Indians get some good players. Fran Mil Reyes, which is a young guy from the Padres, young outfielder who has like 27 home runs already this year. Um, Still a young cost control guy. So that was a nice get for them. They did get Yasiel Puig as well. Um, which I thought was interesting, and then a couple other prospects here and there. Um, but yeah, the Reds did get Trevor Bauer, real ace to kind of add to that rotation, and I think that kind of makes them a little bit scarier moving forward. It does. Uh, you know, I know it's an in-division move, Frank. What did you kind of think about that, Get the Reds getting Trevor Bauer? You know, I, I liked it for him. I, I, I really did. Uh, Yasiel Puig is just one of those guys. I'm surprised they were able to, to get as much value. I know they added some prospects in it as well, but him being kind of the nucleus of that trade, it, it, you know, it goes to show you that talent will uh, always prevail. So there's he's one of those guys that people are going to continue to take chances on. Right. But the overarching theme um, with this trade, you know, because you kind of said it was out of left field. They don't seem to be contenders this year. But when you take a look at them and you take a look at the Giants who added rather than subtracted, I kind of like this, the firm deadline because it makes people make a decision. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can't soft sell or soft buy because then you, you know, in August you had the waivers to kind of continue play it out, let guys go through waivers and you can trade them that way. Now it's like, hey, if we feel like we can even get a wild card spot, let's just go for it. And I, I think that's going to be this year. I don't think I well, let me say this. The Reds move was out of left field. This will continue to happen year after year, and this will become the norm. That like third or fourth place team that's maybe five, six and a half out from the wild card spot makes that big move because they feel like they can still make you know uh, catch up either in the division or the wild card. So I liked it. I I think like I said this year it wasn't as heavy because this was the first year, but I think that's going to be the norm moving forward, and I I'm excited for it just because anything that can jazz up the baseball season I think it's is, is good. Yeah, and it's interesting that the the Bra- the the Indians. I keep wanting to say Braves. It's the color scheme and in the Indian yeah. thing. It's just confusing. Um, the Braves did make a couple good moves as well, getting some some bullpen help. Uh, but we're staying sticking with uh, the Reds um, or the Indians, I should say. Trading Trevor Bauer was kind of interesting because he was a top of the rotation guy for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with with one of their their new guys, Shane Bieber, and then of course Corey Kluber, who's still working his way back. Um, so they're still trying to contend and they're only a couple games out of first place, which I can't believe I'm saying because of how, you know, just average they looked for most of the year. Uh, but they've managed to catch the twins, um, uh, for the reds. Yeah, I like it. I, it gives them just another top of the rotation guy. It gives them kind of more of a legitimate rotation heading into mm-hmm. next season, which I think is just, you know, you have him Castillo. And then of course you have Sonny Gray as well. It's not a bad one, two, three, um, Kind of sticking in the division here, uh, the the Brewers did make a move as well. They traded Jesus Aguilar, who we've talked a little bit about this this year. He's kind of been off to a really bad, you know, just had a bad year so far. Um, mm-hmm. They sent him off to the uh, to the, I want to say the Marlins. I'm not 100 percent sure. I don't really I don't remember. Even remember where he went. Uh, but I thought that was kind of interesting. Just kind of deciding to to move on from him um, after he's been kind of just lackluster. Um, and then the the biggest move that I wanted to talk about, Frank, was uh, the Zach Greinke getting to the Astros. 
Uh, the Astros. Teams of the Rays. The Rays. Thank you. I knew it was one of those teams in Miami era. That don't Florida, matter. So that don't matter. <laughs> uh, but um, what's uh, the, the Astros trading their number three, four, and five prospect for Zach Greinke? Um, just to add to that rotation of Verlander, Greinke, and uh, and and Garrett Cole. Yeah. They're they're all in, Frank. I mean, this is as they should be. You know, do or die right now. They're have a very comfortable lead in their division. And um, yeah, I think this kind of just puts them right in the top back, back to the top of the uh, world series, probably favorites, I would say for the, for the AL. Agreed. Yeah. I I have nothing, you know, more to say. I have a few buddies in Houston that uh, are really, really excited about it. And I, I, I'm excited for them. You know what I mean? That's a fun young team to watch. They've been good for the last few years. They're very entertaining. So um, I mean, they gave up a big haul for it, but it's all going to be worth it if they, you know, if they bring it home. Yeah. This year. Yeah. No, I agree. And it kind of sets him up if, if Garrett Cole decides to move on in the offseason, yep. then they kind of still have that rotation of Verlander. If, you know, he's as long as he stays healthy, they have Verlander and then Zach Granke. It's not it's not a bad one two punch right there. Exactly. Um, so I think that kind of does it for the for the big trades. Um, I thought it was kind of I thought it was pretty fun. I, I enjoyed yeah. my today. Uh, for those last second deals, you know, the, the Cassianos one where you're like thinking, oh, shit, the Cubs didn't do anything. And then you find <laughs> out like minutes after the deadline, they're like, oh, no, 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 they got something done. And you're like, OK, sweet. So right. uh, excited to see what happens. Excited to see how the rest of the season goes. And of course, we'll continue talking about that moving forward here on the Corked Up podcast. But I think that does it for baseball uh, this week. Nothing too exciting. Um, so let's go ahead and jump into uh, NFL training camp, which I, uh, Frank, you texted me just saying people begging you to talk about this stuff. Yeah. They're like enough baseball, even though it's the middle of baseball season. Uh, let's, let's start talking about people running around in practice and, and no pads and things like that. Yeah. People are obsessed with football, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to hold back. Um, let's go ahead and jump right into training camp. Uh, Frank, you, you had something pretty interesting that, uh, that I wanted to, to get your perspective on. Um, why don't you kick us off here? What, um, was it just the, the couple of headlines that, well, I thought you wanted to talk Packers, man. You wanted to you wanted to start oh, the show. Oh yeah, off. we want to get right in. We want to get right oh, into yeah, Green yeah. Bay. Might as well, we might as well. Absolutely. Here's the thing. I it, it, it's time <laughs> that you know we start putting Aaron Rodgers in. You know, we have to start assessing him for for what he's done these last couple of years. Is he the most talented quarterback I've ever seen? Yes. Just in terms of talent, absolutely. Yeah. Does he have a great resume? One hundred percent. But he has he has gotten into this light where he still is getting none of the blame. And granted, Mike McCarthy hasn't been the greatest of coach the last few years. And I can even argue on the other end that Aaron Rodgers is so good that he, you know, kind of kept that coach's job. But like I, I'm not liking well, I'm liking it as a Bears fan, but if I was a Packers <laughs> fan, I would not be liking some of the reports that are coming out. He just he's one of those dudes that I just do not think he's a he's a people person. And that's yeah. kind of been the rapport on him in the past, but you know, they've kind of had the roster around him and he was winning. So um, it, it hasn't really mattered. You know what I mean? But right. now that, I mean, they've been a sub 500 team over the last couple of years and the last four years, basically a 500 team. I don't understand why people are expecting the Packers to have a good year this year. They Like they, they have a brand new head coach. They're learning a brand new system. They have, I mean, Aaron Rodgers only has a rapport with one wide receiver. Granted, he's probably a top five, definitely a top 10. You could probably make the argument for top five for Devontae Adams. 
But when I'm still looking at projections, when I'm still seeing people all over the nation, just, oh yeah, like the, when you look at like, I, I'm in these random sports groups on Facebook and it's like, oh, predict the, this division. And it's like, oh, the Packers 12 and four bears nine and seven. And I'm like, forget what you think about the bears. That's fine. I get that people still don't see them in a highlight. What do you guys see in green Bay that just says 12 and four? Like you look at the roster, their secondary is young. They're going to get shredded this year. Like the secondaries, especially young ones don't just come together. It's going to take them time the, on the offensive end. Everyone loves Aaron Jones. He has talent, but we still don't know what he is yet. Like, like people get infatuated with hype. They get infatuated with seeing a few good games. We've seen a few good games for quite a few people. Brock Forsey would still be in the league if a few good games did something for you. You know what I mean? Like, what are we talking about? So, like, when people are, are legitimately expecting Green Bay to be something, I don't see that this year. You have to develop Marquez uh, Scantling. You have to develop um, – Equinemius, St. Brown, Gemini, Harvius, Teminist. You got to develop him. You got to develop Camaro. The only guy that they have established, the only two people they have established on that offense is Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Am I missing anyone? Their offensive line has been average for years to below average. So it's like, and then on the defensive end, who really scares you? They just cut their best defensive lineman for whatever reason. Their (laughs) linebacking core is, is okay. I think their secondary is their strength, but if your offense, if your defensive line isn't getting any pressure on the quarterback, the secondary can only hold you for three or four seconds. Right. And that was their issue last year, and they didn't really add to that front seven to make them any scarier. So it's like, not only do they have a suspect defense, but now they have an offense going into a whole new system, and people just blindly believe them because of Aaron Rodgers. And like I said, right. he's the most talented quarterback I've ever seen. That doesn't mean he's the greatest, because that's a different. You add in more components, right. but just in terms right. of talent. He's incredible, but it's like how how big of a leash do we continue to to give this whole team for one talented player? Well, yeah, I, I think I think a lot of people started to. I mean, personally, I saw the cracks last year as well. I mean, they, they people were ready to put them above the Vikings, and I, I kind of wanted to pump the brakes and be like, hold on, are they even as good as the Vikings? Like, yeah, Aaron Rodgers is great, but this is the ultimate team sport where yeah, it, having a great quarterback will get you to where you need to go every now and then, but. The problem is, is that he he just doesn't have enough talent around him. You're absolutely right. Their running back situation is suspect. I mean, I feel like Aaron Jones is only looked upon in a bright light because he's the best of what they have. You know, if if you know you had Le'Veon Bell or Aaron Jones, it's not even close. You're going with Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> right, right, like, right. Like it's just it's all about context. And the offensive line has been beat up. They're they're very you know they're a little bit older than they used to be. Some of the guys haven't developed the way that they thought that they would have. Um, and I think they're going to get beat up a lot because first of all, Mike Daniels stays in the division with the lions. So, you know, he's going to yeah. want to play those revenge yeah. games. Uh, Khalil Mack has already talked about how he's going to beat the shit out of the Packers <laughs> every time he plays them. And it's just going to happen. Um, and then you have the Vikings pass rush, which is also really damn good. Um, yeah. you know, I just, I don't know if that offensive line can hold up. Um, Devonte Adams, you're right. They are learning a new offense, which is a little bit more. I would say uh, conservative. It's mm-hmm. it, it, based on the pass that he's had Matt LaFleur in, in Tennessee where they ran the ball a lot. I don't think this system really fits the Packers and it's why I didn't really like the hire when it happened. Um, yeah. They just don't have those types of players. And yeah, Aaron Rodgers is good enough to kind of not need a system, but other players might 
it, other players aren't don't have that pedigree that he has where they're going to have to follow what the head coach says. They can't just do whatever they want. Uh, the defense, I don't really think they made a lot of upgrades. I think they're it, it almost feels like what the Bears were doing when they were signing guys like Pernell McPhee, where they're like, OK, well, he was a backup on this team. But when he played, he was really good. But it's right. like on the other side. OK, why was he a backup then if he played right. really well? Teams know their guys. So when you're bringing in free agents, you don't really know them as well as the other teams did. I think that's why it was the Bears expertly did it when they just let uh, Adrian Amos walk, because I think that says a lot about what how they thought about Adrian Amos and the Packers. I think Packer fans are going to be a little disappointed when they see kind of what Amos has to offer. Yeah, not I've, I've he's had a bad t- player, but no, he's not. You know, I've I, had to temper some expectations. I know quite a few Packers fans, and they they call me because we can be unbiased with each other. And they're like, hey, give yeah. me the book. And I gave them the book, and they were like, okay, I was expecting more, but at least we're not getting a bum and we overpaid them. So you know, right. the like ones if, who are level headed know what they're getting. Do I think this team can still, you know, can still win the division? Maybe. You know, I think I think there's a pot. You can't. A you lot can't, would have to go. They'd have to get pretty way. lucky, I think. Yeah. You can't you can't count a team out with Aaron Rodgers, as you said. I, right. I just you, you can't do that. But do I think it's very unlikely? I think this team is a third place team, if I'm being completely honest. I think it's well, going to so, be Bears, Vikings, Packers, Lions. And then, uh, but see, last but thing is, yeah, I was just going to say, the last thing I was just going to say was that. I mean, it, it, it's like if you're counting on it's it's like a lot of stuff that Bulls fans do where it's like. Mm-hmm. you're you're expecting players to stay healthy uh newsflash Aaron Rodgers has not been healthy the last couple of years like yeah playing on a bum knee this entire year I mean he still threw 25 touchdowns and two picks but other than that I mean you're expect you he he hasn't stayed healthy it's a bad offensive line the mm-hmm. rest of the division's pass rush is really good so I don't know I I, I don't buy it I definitely and I, I feel like what I've said isn't really Packers bias I feel like I've I've I mean, it's no, I mean, objective to me, but I'm, I'm being, I I'm being objective. If I'm speaking, if I was speaking from a bears lens, I would have been talking about the bears as well, but I, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm not just on that team. Yeah. Right. But before we move off of the Packers, I just have one let, like, are you, are you at this point? Are, are we confidently saying that green Bay is a better team than the Detroit lions? I still think I am. Um, only because I feel like where they're matched up is, is the coaching. Um, because I don't really think Matt Patricia is a good head That's coach. Fair. I guess um, I'm looking at it from a talent standpoint, especially offensively, like Detroit has guys who I can get behind. Kenny Galladay looks like the real deal. Marvin Jones is a good guy to take the top off of defense. I think carry on Johnson's going to be a top 10 back this year. If they actually play him. like they have yeah. guys that you can, believe in some hype here you know what i mean it's it's it's, yeah you're you're right um it's a good question i mean man could you imagine if the packers finished fourth in the division that would just be a dream come true i think aaron Rodgers is too good ultimately i think they're gonna but just as an overall team i think detroit is better but aaron Rodgers is gonna is gonna win them a couple of games that they shouldn't have won right exactly exactly and and it's still the packers you're still gonna have to go into lambo for a lot of those games but um yeah no i mean Look, the, you're right. The Detroit Lions, much like the Bears, are going to be playing a last a last place schedule. So it, it might they might be a team that kind of sub, they might be that team that surprises uh, a couple people, except for the Bears, because the Bears are going to kick the shit out of them. Uh, except in Detroit, uh, uh, Bears can never win in Detroit. It'll never yeah, happen. No shit. So forget it. Um, <laughs> but now, uh, you know, you know what else I wanted to do, Jack? Um, yeah. And we don't have to go, you know, too much longer with this. But 
there are some really interesting storylines throughout training camp, whether that, that be battles or just kind of position groups. Yeah. I wanted to throw some your way. And I mean, you don't even have to give thoughts if you don't want, but just kind of like a one to 10. Oh, how interested Frankie. are you in keeping up? Oh, I'll give thoughts, Frankie. Perfect. I'll give some, some very minimal thoughts, but <laughs> I mean, that works. That works for me. Um, wh- One of the, one of the biggest things that I'm looking at is, the wide receiver situation with the Pittsburgh Steelers, because you have Juju who's going to be their number one. Yeah. But then you have guys who can be, and and whether you're speaking just on the field or fantasy wise, you have guys that, um, you know, can, I think make a big impact this year. You have guys like James Washington, you have guys like Dante Moncrief, or I'm sorry, did he go, did he go to, am I, am I confusing? I don't know. I, Deont- I haven't kept fans the, on the rookie. Dante Deont- no, no, no. Deontay Johnson. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Deontay Johnson, the rookie that they that they drafted. Okay. Um, and I'm curious to see who gets the rest of those targets. A, B, and Juju were the guys. So that's you know what I mean. Or does Vance McDonald get more touches? Uh, yeah. at, at tight end, like I really want to see how because Ben's gonna throw the ball 50 times a game. He's gonna keep audibling out of every run that they have, and <laughs> and do it. So I as what. What are your thoughts there? Are, are, is that something you're interested in keeping up with as camp uh, goes along? I think the only reason I, w- I would care is because I, I, I really like James Washington coming out of uh, Oklahoma State. Um, you know, I think he was a little I bit like underrated of yeah. a prospect. I think when he got playing time last year, he did perform pretty well. Um, so I'm, I, I think I would expect him to kind of take over that 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 second wide receiver spot um, and be that outside guy who can kind of burn people, but also run some pretty good routes as well. Um, you know, I, in terms of interest, I don't really find the Steelers to be all that interesting of a team. Um, I think their coaching is kind of going to let them down this year. Um, Mike Tomlin's just, I feel like he's been exposed as kind of a guy who just kind of is more passive than, than more direct, um, you know, since winning the, since winning a Super Bowl. So, uh, I mean, overall, I re- I really think right now the Browns are probably the best talent wise on paper Browns are probably the best team in the division I and I, I don't think the Ravens are, are too far behind um even with Lamar Jackson's limited ability I just think that defense is so good the running game that they have is good as well um you know I I, I just overall I don't really find the Steelers that interesting so I if you're asking me out of 10 I'd probably say like a maybe like a five out of 10 I mean five. okay you know okay fair Fair and uh, Dante Moncrief did did sign there as well, so he's another one to look out for. Um, uh, another one, uh, another thing that I'm looking at here is, uh, and I think this is going to pique your interest even more, is the wide receiver core for the Colts. I I mean the reports that I'm hearing right now out of Paris Campbell are, and I liked him coming out of college, and I mean he has a chance. Oh yeah. To be, I mean. I like T.Y. Hilton, but I've never really viewed him as like a wide receiver one. He's more of a take the top off a defense type of guy. Full route tree isn't great, but he's so good. Like he's so fast. He can burn you like he's going to put up numbers. I'm not trying to say he's bad, but I think they were kind of missing the guy that adds in a, a different wrinkle than him. And I think I think Paris Campbell can really compliment him very well. Obviously, they signed um, – why am I blanking on – on the uh, the Devin the, Funches. Devin Funches they have, who is another big wide. I mean, he's he's bigger than Paris, but yeah. Um, what what are you thinking out of that wide receiver court? Ty is set in stone, obviously. You think Paris is is one of those guys that yeah. can day one starter make immediate yeah, yeah. impact Par- as a rookie? 
Yeah, everything I I follow a lot of Colts beats beat reporters, obviously for for many reasons. Um, and before we move on to the next camp handle, there is a Colts story I do want to talk about. Uh, real quick, then we'll kind of jump back into this. Um, but um, specifically about Paris Campbell, yeah, I mean, he, he, everything I've heard, he's, he's the definition of a burner. Um, yeah. And I think having two of those guys is going to be so interesting to watch because, you know, one thing that Andrew Luck does really well, probably more than anyone in the league, uh, is deep ball accuracy. I mean, if yep. you get open and you get down the field, Andrew Luck is going to be able to use that big arm and, and he's going to hit a guy in stride as well. It's not going to be behind him. It's not going to be late. It's not going to be overthrown. It's going to be hitting them in stride. So if you have two of those guys who, who defenses can't really focus too much on, um, you know, I think that does a lot for this offense. It's going to be a little bit more air raid than I think people are, are kind of expecting. Uh, Marlon Mack is going to be a, an effective runner. Uh, Devin Funches, I'm interested to see what he brings. I'm not quite sure, but um, he adds a little something to this group. The the depth is a little bit better than than you know it has been in years past when it was T. Y. Hilton and name a player and it probably was on there. You probably make up a name and he probably existed on the Colts like Chester Rogers. I mean, yeah, sure he's fine. Zach Pascal, they're okay, whatever. I mean, they're good players. They're fine. Reese Fountain. Yeah. Ryan Grant. Let's go. Deion Kane. All right, I'm actually excited oh, for Deion Cain. I like Deion Cain. I was, was going to say, he might yeah. be the best receiver on all of them. He can if get he healthy, he can if play. He didn't tear, yeah, if he didn't tear his ACL last year, he would have been a starter. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to see what Paris Campbell can do, 100%. Real quick, before we jump to the, the next one, um, there was this camp story that I had, uh, you know has me nervous as a Colts fan, but um, I'm curious to get your thoughts as well. Uh, Andrew Luck being shut down yet again for uh, a calf injury. Um, yeah, yeah. It just, you know, it's 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 odd because it seems like an injury that should have been healed by now. Um, he said he was still feeling pain in his lower leg. Uh, he made it a point to acknowledge that it was, you know, no, no threat to his Achilles injury, which I thought was interesting. Um, you know, what, what do you think? And I'm not going to ask you what the Colts team is going to be without Andrew Luck. The answer is obvious because Jacoby yeah. Brissett sucks ass, um, but he's not that bad. Um, but, you know, what does, what does this do? to Andrew Luck's not legacy, but kind of just what, what can realistically, how healthy does he need to be for this Colts team to be a Super Bowl team? Um, if it's a lower, if it's a lower body injury, I would say like 95 to a hundred percent. That's something you, especially ankle Achilles, Achilles area. Yeah. You don't want to mess with. And, you know, we, we, we continue to touch on that. He's never going to get the, you know, the credit for what he is as, as an athlete, just because he's, he's a white guy and you just get, you, you begin to be stereotyped in high school as to what your trajectory is based on your skin color as unfair as that is for both sides. Right. Um, cause you guys got, you got guys like Dwayne Haskins that Stephen A. Smith has no fucking clue who he is and says he's a runner <laughs> and he can't fucking move his feet to save his life. But, um, you know, he relies very much. So now I want to say relies he extends plays. He can roll out. He's very athletic. He is Cam Newton with better accuracy. He yeah. ran a fast, either the same or a little bit faster. It was like, 40. It was like the same, yeah. He's the same size. Like he, oh, he may be a, a, a bit shorter, but I mean, he's stocky. Just like, I mean, but like, he's an athlete. And when you talk about these lower, but like, I could live with a rib. I can live with. Maybe even a shoulder if it's not nerve, if it's not too much cartilage, if, if it's just some muscle. You know what I mean? 
the lower, I would say 95 to 100 for them to do it just because I still don't have too much faith in that defense, but I do like a lot of the weapons that they have. You mentioned Marlon Mack. They have their own little Tariq Cohen and Naheem Hines. I think he's a great compliment to Mack. And I think they have enough talent that once this camp comes out, they're going to get out there trotting out three solid receivers. I think, you know what uh, I mean? So Yeah, yeah. And I, I agree that what, what makes me happy, honestly, about you know what Andrew Luck said is that he – it seems like he's really learned through his experiences from the shoulder, from, from all the injuries he's had where it's like, okay, you know what? I'm feeling pain in training camp. It, maybe it doesn't matter as much right now for me to be as healthy. I want to be healthy going into the season. I'm feeling pain. I know to go to talk to the trainers, to talk to the head coach. I'm going to sit. I'm just, I'm going to pump the brakes here, get healthy and come back. Like that makes me happy because I'd rather him do it now. Acknowledge that he's not healthy. Get to a hundred percent, go into the season perfectly fine. Whereas I don't care about the preseason. I don't, it, we talk about it all the time. Who cares? Yeah. It, does, it doesn't yeah. matter. Um, just real quick, kind of on the flip side of the defense, uh, you should be fucking impressed with this fucking defense, Frankie. You got Justin Houston, all right? You got Darius Light, the maniac. You got Kenny Moore. You got Rocky Sin, who's going to be incredible. And then you got Malik Hooker on the back end. That's five pretty goddamn good players. Yeah. No, I Let's guess go, what, Frankie. What I'm Super saying Bowl, is, baby. if what, it's what Cold Bears, is, what am I going to do, Frank? You're going to cheer for the Bears. Okay. But um, <laughs> no, but what, what I meant by that was. I know, I know. They, like, they're not, that defense isn't there yet where if Luck isn't there, especially come playoff sure. time, they're not going to, like, yeah. they can compliment Luck right now. It's they're not, not like going to win them any games. Right. Yeah, it's not like if Chase Daniel was in there, you know, the the Colts defense isn't going to win him any games. And Jacoby exactly. Brissett, I'm sorry, he's he's fine, but he's a good backup. It's not Andrew Luck. It's not Andrew plain Luck. and simple. Um, um, so what other camp of, titles you got, Frankie? Another thing, another battle that I'm really looking at is um, – is over in Tampa Bay. Uh, Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones. Just because, no, but it, the thing is with Jones, I was really high on him coming out of college. I like him a lot. And when you look at his preseason, like I've seen running backs not translate to the NFL. You look at Trent Richardson, granted, he had a good couple of years, but the burst isn't there. It's like he's not hitting the right holes. If you go and look, there's a specific video that's like four and a half minutes long of all yeah. Ronald Jones preseason um, highlight, his highlight film from last year's preseason. On like 80% of these snaps, he's getting hit in the backfield. Yeah. But the time he gets blocking, he's hitting the correct hole. He has, you know, he has the burst. He has the speed. He has the explosiveness. I'm not sure what was happening in practice last year that they just said we're going to, you know, basically redshirt him and he's, he's not going to be active for a good portion of this year. But he didn't look like someone who I'd be like, yeah, he's a complete bust. He's a bum. They didn't like – I want to see what he can do in a real offense under Bruce Arians because yeah. I think he can win this job, and I think he can quickly change the perception of him um, You know, going into the season because I think he's a better player than Peyton Barber. Peyton, Peyton Barber is just your kind of middle of the line – you know what I mean? Just like normal running like back. back. Yeah, like he he's well, not see, anything. He's like a Chester Taylor. Like he's yeah. just a, a dude. That's why I was shaking my head, actually, was not so much as at the mention of Ronald Jones. It's the fact that, you know, people are having this conversation where it's like, should he be, you know, should Peyton Barber be the start? No, no. Ronald Jones <laughs> is a second round draft pick for this fucking team, and he's going to be the starter. Bruce Arians is an actual offensive coach. He actually knows what he's doing. He knows no, how to get players. Cutter. Yeah, he knows how to get people in the right in the right situations. I think Jameis Winston might actually have a really good bounce back year as well um, in this offense too. 
people forget about Mike Evans, man. I do not understand why. It's insane that people are just so willing to just, oh, yeah, whatever. Who cares? uh, No, he's a good player. Ronald Jones was a guy that I, I I remember talking with you about this was I hope the Bears would get him in the in the yeah. la, uh, yep. last or two or two years ago's draft now um I, I really like him I think he was just misused last year I completely agree with you Frank I think he probably will be the starter this year hell I mean Mike got misused and all his season last year was still a monster year like he oh no I, I meant I meant Rojo oh Ronald Jones yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I, I, I agree. And I you think could misuse um, Mike, you could misuse Mike Evans and he'd still put up 100 exactly. catches and 1,000 yards. Exactly. And then not not for nothing, um, Chris Godwin is going to is a really, really good receiver, too. And I think yeah. he's going to have a really, really good year. There are other storylines that I want to hit. We can save them for next week. Uh, we we kind of went over in this first half. So uh, that's everything for me today and some more things to come to fruition once another week passes by where we get to kind of, uh, yeah. you know, talk about some more headlines. But yeah, yeah I, think, I think that's you know everything what, for this. Yeah, so um, you know, there was a there was a storyline going on with uh with Ezekiel Elliott, but I think we oh, can save that right. for next we can save that for next week. I think that's that's a you know, that's that's a story that I feel like we can get into. And bit. you know what? I think that'll be good to save that for a week because we will look like fucking bozos if we put this out and then he signs a contract with them. <laughs> so let, let, let's give that another week give and then time. we can touch this. Yeah. Um the last thing that I I know we want to talk about, we can make this super quick. Um, because that's all the attention it deserves. Uh, Brian Fitzpatrick coming out and, uh, and just winning the Miami. Like, dude, how many fool, how many head coaches is he going to fool before they're like, okay, you know what? As good as he looks in practice, let's go with Josh Rosen, the guy that we traded a lot for. Yeah. Like, just, I, I don't understand why people are just so like, what does Ryan Fitzpatrick do for your franchise at this point? How yeah. how does that help? I mean, you know, it could be Brian Flores, who's a new head coach, and he's just saying that to kind of be like, okay, Josh, like, it's, you know, I'm starting to think this way. Like, get your shit together. Maybe it's that. But, dude, if they honestly start Ryan Fitzpatrick week one, I, I'm going to I'm gonna blow my brains out because it's, it's, it's shit like this in the AFC East that makes the Patriots a lot able to win the division every single fucking year. <laughs> like it's 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 crazy. Yeah. I think you know what I think it is um they paid Ryan Fitzpatrick a healthy amount of money, which that's the foolery that went on with this is that they for whatever reason thought, you know, he he can be the guy even if it was only for a season. So they're going to start him week 1 I think just off the strength of that. That being said, I think they're treating Rosen like a rookie quarterback. They want to make sure he has a grasp of the playbook. They're going to they're going to bring him along slow. He's going to win that job come week 5 or 6 the latest. That being said, Fitzpatrick goes on streaks. He may win them some games that this franchise doesn't need to win cuz they should get another high draft pick last year. I mean, next year. But that's what I'm saying. Why not why not sign Mike Glennon? Right. Until get someone who isn't going to win you games to to bring along your young quarterback. But, I mean, even that being said, you could also make the argument that if you're not expecting to win, just let Rosen learn on the job then. You know what I mean? Right, exactly. But I also think they traded for him because I I legitimately don't think most people thought Kyler Murray was going to go number one. I think people thought that was a smokescreen. But obviously Arizona did otherwise. I still think Rosen's a better quarterback than Kyler. You know, we'll, we'll see, but... Um, no, I, I agree. I think it's just 
Cliff Kingsbury just liked his guy and he wanted his yeah. guy. How he is a head coach in the NFL is is just it's gonna I, be a shit show in Arizona, dude. The Sean McVay stuff is is or I guess he was more attached to Patrick Mahomes, but Patrick Mahomes didn't really do anything with Cliff Kingsbury. It doesn't matter. Um, anyways, Frank, that kind of does it for NFL training camp this week. Um, there's a couple more storylines, but obviously as preseason games start to get a little bit closer and closer, we'll uh, we'll get into that a little bit more. Um, so that'll do it for the first half of this show. When we come back, Frank and I are going to talk a little Bears breakdown with the Bears uh, linebacking core. And then, of course, we'll continue the Jackie Moon top five favorite players for the Patriots. And, of course, the Dolphins. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick is not on my list, Frank. We'll see if he's on yours on the second half of the Corked Up podcast with with uh, Jack Savio and Frank Neris on Two Cents Pods. And we are back from our quick break, as Jackie mentioned before. So we are going to break down uh, the Bears linebacking core. And uh, just to clarify again, because we do run a 3-4, we will be covering the outside linebackers. So Khalil Mack, um, as well as Leonard Floyd, will be a part of this discussion because they are technically linebackers. Um, I think the, the proper place to start here, well, you know, I want to ask you this. I think this is a better place to start than what I had in my head. Is this the strongest part of the Bears' whole team when you think of the Bears' linebackers? I think it is bar none, not even close. So Uh, let me ask you this. Wait, before you keep going. If you take Khalil Mack away and you just replace him with another maybe Leonard Floyd type or just kind of above average, would they still be? Or is it Mack that makes them the shoe-in? God, I, I don't know. That is a good that is a good question. Luckily, we won't have to answer that question. Hopefully, fingers <laughs> crossed. Um, but I mean, you look around. I mean, the offensive line is a really strong group. Uh, the wide receiver is is deep. It's 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 obviously deeper, um, which is which is good. But you know, maybe the top end talent isn't isn't necessarily there. Um, the running back group, I know we talked a lot about. They're still kind of a question mark. Um, tight end, yeah, I think tight end might be their weakest link, obviously, right now. Um, I would say if it's not the defensive backs, um, I would say it's probably the D line. I would say mm-hmm. if you take Cleo Mack, the D line is probably the strongest unit. Cause they could have like, they could have three pro bowlers on the defensive line, um, you know, depending, uh, but we'll get to that in a little, you know, in, in the coming weeks here. Um, so, you know, I, and just a reminder for the bears breakdown, we did this in a way, um, that would allow us to kind of do each position group, nine position groups. Uh, right up until Bears Packers, we'll finish it there. Um, so, you know, that's kind of where we're at here. We did the uh, we did the running backs, uh, we did the defensive backs, we did the offensive line, and now, of course, this week we are doing the the linebackers. Um, you know, last year I probably would have said takeaway. You know, going into it, I would have said you know the linebackers aren't aren't that great. But then, of course, mm-hmm. the Leo Mack trade happened. Um, a lot of that was because we didn't really know what Roquan Smith. Roquan Smith would be mm-hmm. um, but this year I feel like you could probably say that without Cleo Mack it's probably defensive line and then linebackers like right there um, because of how good Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan are are together mm-hmm. um, you know what I, I'm curious to see what you would say I mean do you agree that they're probably the strongest unit for the Bears with Cleo Mack they are with Khalil Mack. The, the specific reason why I asked without them is because I think back of the year before this past year, so two seasons ago, when the defense really took that step forward under uh, Coach Fangio, 
And they started to be like, hey, this is a legit top 10 defense, right? We're, yeah. we're missing a Khalil Mack type. We're missing that big pass rusher to get you to top three. But they were top 10. And, and you know, we led the league in coverage sacks. Like, it was insane how, how much, you know, uh, time that um, the secondary kept wide receivers in check to let our pressure, which wasn't that good. And obviously, uh, Fangio not being a blitz heavy type of guy, or even necessarily a creative type of guy. He was an out execute you type of guy. And how many sacks that, um, you know, the 2017 bears were able to get just based off that. So I think the reason why I asked, I just wanted to make the statement that I do think the secondary is the, probably the most underrated group because of how good the defensive line and the linebackers are. Sure. Um, but when you start breaking them down, I'm in love with the inside linebackers. I think Roquan, Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan have the ability to be the best inside linebacking tandem in the league. I'm not saying they are. I'm saying they could be. Um, and then when you look at the outside, you know, the, the the one question mark that still remains, and really this is the make or break your form, is Leonard Floyd. He has the length. He may not be as big as you want him, but with today's NFL, it, it, that doesn't – I'm not – you know, um, focused on that, that that's one of the, actually the least of my worries when you, when you look at him, but he, it, it, this is his year. Uh, you know what I mean? He, he has to make it happen. He has to prove why he was a first round pick. And it's not to say that he's been bad. Had we drafted him in the third round, we'd probably be looking at him like a success. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, right, right. but with, with where we drafted him, we, we were looking at him to, to develop into, uh, maybe not necessarily a Khalil Mack. That's a high ceiling, but I mean, you're looking at him to be a premier pass rusher, and he just hasn't been that. Um, but uh, other than that, you, you, I like the depth. I, I like uh, Kwiatkowski being a backup rather than a starter. He's <laughs> he's good for depth. He's a good special teamer as well. Um, I'm actually I'm actually interested to see what um, what Iggy's gonna do. I, I can't pronounce his name, but he does say he he just goes by Iggy or draft. E.A. Ubuniwe, Joel. E.A. Ubuniwe. And, and, he go, and he, his nickname is Iggy. Am I, am I correct? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, because I'm nobody curious, can say his fucking name. <laughs> I know. I'm curious to see what he does because he didn't play too much last year. And, you know, people, fourth round pick, were expecting him to make somewhat of an impact. And I know some, some Bears fans who kind of get deeper in the draft were uh, pretty disappointed when they made the pick. And that kind of was their confirmation. So I'm hoping that he can have a, a solid season as well. I love Aaron Lynch at you know for for depth. I think he played very well last year, even outperformed Leonard Floyd uh, certain at certain yeah. points in the season. But I don't have I don't have really anything negative to say outside of I do wish we got more from Leonard Floyd. What do you say? What do you see when you see this uh, this core? Yeah, um, one guy I really want to touch on you know before I kind of get get going here is is Leonard Floyd. Um, I think that if anybody is going to have a, a boost in production with the switchover from Vic Fangio to Chuck Pagano, um, I think it could be Leonard Floyd because a lot of what a lot of what Fangio liked to do was he'd like to rush a couple, drops others into coverage, and Leonard mm-hmm. Floyd is so athletic. You talked about the length; he's so good at covering guys that Vic Fangio saw thought he was more valuable in, in coverage than he was as a, as a pure pass rusher. Right. Um, and I think with, with Chuck Fangio and our Chuck Fangio, Chuck Pagano, uh, I know what he likes to do. He really does like to, to blitz. Um, 
So if he's going to be blitzing more, you're going to assume that Leonard Floyd is going to be able to be put in more pass rushing situations. Um, what's interesting about that is that, you know, what was talked about a lot last year was the fact that going into the season, uh, fucking Khalil Mack was here for four minutes before the game started. <laughs> like he wasn't here they for had very to long. track his flight to make sure he'd get there at Green Bay. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, so it's literally like now him having a full season, a full off season here, I don't think only improves how he will play and get his body right. Uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that this year he was, or last year was the first year he had missed any games um, after missing the whole off season. I don't right. think that's a coincidence. Um, so having a year to prepare himself to get his body right, uh, not only helps him, but I think it'll help Leonard Floyd as well. Cause he's had a whole off season to learn from a whole, a full season and a full offseason now to learn from Khalil Mack, maybe learn some tips and tricks on, on kind of things that he's he's able to do. Because Leonard Floyd, he's maybe not the best pure pass rusher, but he has ability to be a very good one. Yeah. Um, you know, he could be that this duo could be Demarcus Ware and Von Miller for the Broncos. Like that's that's what this could be if right. Floyd does take that step. Um, you know, kind of just going back to what you were saying about the depth, um, just as as you might remember, Frank, I did uh, I did try and predict the 53 man roster mm-hmm. uh, for the Bears. I, th- I think there might be some changes as the weeks go by, obviously. Uh, but right now, I have it as Khalil Mack, Leonard Floyd, uh, Roquan, Danny Trevathan as the starters, Kylie Fitz, um, Isaiah Irving, Iggy, as you said, uh, Quitkowski, and Aaron Lynch kind of as that main group. No real big surprises there. Um, I do like Aaron Lynch as well. Um, you know, as long as he can stay healthy, I really like the length that he has as well. Um, so I think that's a nice compliment to to Cleo Mack when Leonard Floyd does come out. Um, yeah, I, I love Roquan's ability. I think if anything, he's going to have a massive jump, which is scary because of how good he was as a rookie. I think he's probably going to be even better in his second year. Agreed. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I said everything that I can say, you added some great points to it. I'm excited for that group. Um, you know, when you think of the defense, uh, they're, you know, they, you can kind of take that, that Dexter Fowler approach. It's like you, you go, we go, you know I mean? You get that pressure on that quarterback. We have playmakers back there, but it's really going to be on you guys to do that. The, the secondary will when needed, you know, cover for an extra second or two every now and then. But at the end of the day, this is the NFL, like it, it's one in the trenches and we have guys that I'm, I'm ready to get behind. Khalil Mack is a top two if not just top one pass rusher in this league. So uh, I expect him to, to if not rep, if, if not be better, certainly replicate this past season. Well, you, you know, what's funny um, is, is that you were talking about a, a little bit and, and um, you know, I feel like Danny Trevathan has that like Pedro Strope vibe to him where he's like, he's so good, but, but for some reason, Bears fans don't really connect or remember him as much as they really should. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was listening to, to the radio the other day, you know, the last couple of weeks here and, you know, callers call in and they, they're, you know, they all the, you know, they talk about Mac and they talk about Roquan, but then they're like, Oh, and that, that guy he starts next to, um, you know, what, what's, what's his name? What's his name? And they can't think of, of Danny Trevathan. And it's just like, it's <laughs> like, funny. I, I, I think he, he's just so good at what he does. It's just, he's such a constant that you never have to think about him. So it's yeah. just like, you see 59 and you're like, yeah, he's going to make the play. Like, I don't even really have to worry about him. Um, I think he does compliment Roquan really well. Uh, yep. But yeah, Cleo Mack, I think this is, I think this is 
if if anybody's going to win MVP other than a, a defensive MVP uh, this season, I think it will be Khalil Mack. Um, based on how good the defense will be, how good the team could be overall, um, if everything kind of falls into place, I really think Khalil Mack probably will win MVP just as a defensive player, which is which would just yeah. be awesome. He's, he's just that good. Bit. I mean, he's he's he, he what had 12 and a half sacks on a bum leg for four games. Like, yeah, he's just he's he's such a difference maker, and and I think we're gonna see it a lot more this year. Especially because, as I mentioned, he has that full offseason to kind of get ready to go. So um, I am excited to see what Kylie Fitz does as well. I thought he played well when given opportunities last year. Um, second year in, I, I think he'll probably get a little more of an opportunity as well. For sure. And I think Isaiah Irving is a, is an underlooked dude yeah. as well, just with yeah. all the names. He he made some plays last year. Yeah, what, like you mentioned, this is just such a deep group. But not yeah. only is it deep, but the top end is just so good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Khalil Mack is obviously all pro, like he's just that good. But Roquan, I think, could make that next step to possibly being one of the best. You know, if if Bobby Wagner is the best middle linebacker, Roquan's probably uh, he could be maybe number two by the end of this year. So agreed. I'm excited, man. I, I love the depth of this group. I think I think uh, Ryan Pace doesn't get enough credit for for the way that he's kind of built this this linebacking group. Um and I'm excited to see what they do, man. I, th- I think this I is going to be a special year for these linebackers. I agree. I'm ready for the season. I'm definitely ready for the season. I think it's a, I think it's a, a fitting end um, to that segment. I think we're gonna, we can move on here to Jackie Moon's uh, top five favorite teams. Uh, the two teams that we are on to today. Uh, we are beginning the AFC East here with the Dolphins and the Patriots. I'm assuming you want to just get the Patriots list out of the way since you're hatred. Yeah. Perfect. So hatred, we'll start Patriots yes. um, for you, the Patriots. And um, <laughs> shall I begin with my five or do you want to start with your five? Uh, I'll, I'll let you start with your five okay. and we'll kind of go from there. Okay. Uh, so number, and, and you know what guys, the one thing that we, we did realize we were being, I think a little way, way too long winded in our description of players. <laughs> so I, I think we're going to tone that back a little bit here. Um, but number you mean five, you, you uh, you don't hear, you don't like hearing a ton about, um, you know, about Emmanuel Sanders, Kyle Orton, you know, those kinds no, of guys. Dude, I mean, I thought both of our descriptions of Marquette King were on point, but I just, I just think just we took know. too much time. Yeah, the Raiders kind of just sucked the life out of me, man. That one, was, that one was rough. I know. Um, you know, but number five for me was a dude who, um, really, really enjoyed watching. Quick, shifty, slot guy. Uh, really the start of the small Jewish slot receiver, Wes Walker. Uh, <laughs> he, I mean, you know, he he had some really good years with the Patriots. And then, I mean, obviously had had the privilege of playing with Brady and then getting right back at it with Peyton Manning. So yeah. I, he's certainly no complaint. Or he has no complaints in that. But very, very good. I mean, he was – there was a few years where he was in the conversation of people asking, like, is he the best – receiver in football, which I never thought he was. But I, I mean, the fact that he was putting up numbers for someone to be able to make an argument, I think is telling. So Wes Welker, number five for me. Yeah, I have Wes Welker on my list. So I'll get to him a little bit later. Uh, number five for me, uh, just a guy that I know a lot of people hate just because of his, his antics, if you will. Um, 
Started back in college, obviously, with a big punch against Boise State. Um, <laughs> my guy, LeGarrette Blunt. <laughs> I love LeGarrette Blunt, man. Like, he's like, the I can't one believe Patriots. we made your fucking movie. He's the one Patriots player I genuinely love. Like, I, it, oh, he would that's be higher on my list if he was an actual good football player. Uh, but basically, he's just a guy who they hand the ball off to, and and they, he runs a couple yards, but nobody can tackle him, so he just scores touchdowns. Um, that that's kind of it for me. I just I love I love the personality. Um, he's the exact opposite of the Patriots way, uh, which makes it even that's, funnier that they just they were just like, man, I fucking hate this guy, but just give him the ball, you know? It's, it's it was incredible. Yeah, that's funny. It, it Actually, he almost made my list. That's funny that he made yours. Um, So number four for me, let, here, here's the thing, guys. Make no fucking mistake. I'm just a dumb Mexican kid from the south side of Chicago, so I love fat football players, okay? Grew up on tacos and carnitas. I don't know how I'm not fat. Number four for me, great interior lineman, Vince Wilfork, man. You want to talk about a keg. Did we get another one? Let's go. Yes. I told yeah. you we'd get it. Vince Wilfork for me, and then you can continue on because Vince Wilfork is number four for you as well. Frankie, Frankie, here's the thing that our audience needs to know. Uh, every week, Frank and I have at least gotten one player in one spot, one uh, similar spot for each team. Uh, I told him before we started recording today, I think this is the week that neither one of us gets one because the top end of both teams probably a little bit different. But uh, and then Frank made the joke, you know, oh, I'll just wait to see what you say and then I'll copy you from there. Um, <laughs> we don't even have to do that, Frank, because Vince yeah. Bullfork is number four for both of us. Your goddamn uh, right he is. I I I love uh, you know when he went to when he went to Texas and you know in Houston he's wearing the overalls and everything and he's just one of the fattest people right, around. Right. But he's just he was still athletic. Like, it makes absolutely no sense how he was still an athlete at that size. It was really incredible to watch. Uh, Vince Wilfork, absolutely number four for me, Frankie. Hell yeah. Um, so number three for me was a guy who I think gets really underrated when you talk about, you know, some of the best secondary guys and corners that you've seen. But Ty Law was really, mm -hmm. like, instrumental to mm -hmm. those first couple of Super Bowl wins with Brady. Just that defense in general, I think, gets overlooked. We talked offline and said that, you know— Brady was one of the guys who, when he his first few rings, he came up when it mattered the most. And if we can get that out of Mitch Trubisky, great for this year because we have the defense that can get us over the top. And while they didn't have a, a defense maybe of the Bears' stature from 2018, but they had a defense that was winning them games as well. Uh, and Ty Law was really at the center of that. Love watching him play. Number three, Ty Law for me. Yeah, uh, number three for me is a is a guy who. Uh, is a surefire Hall of Famer, but yeah. also one of the best personalities that that even though I, I hate the Patriots as much as I do, um, I can't help but like him because he's just fun. He, he knows that he's playing a game. Um, I'm a little disappointed that he, that his career has kind of been halted so much by injuries. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, I, I, I know we've talked a lot about tight ends the, the last couple weeks here with with Anthony Gonzalez, um, you know, and, and with with a couple of those other guys, but Man, Rob Gronkowski, talent-wise, might actually be the number one for me, the the best tight end that I've ever seen. I mean, he can do it all. He can block, he'll, but the catches that he makes, it's like he's a wide receiver, but just with the body of a tight end. Um, th th I think that's a big reason why the Patriots didn't really focus on getting wide receivers as much as they have. They're just like, it doesn't, we have a, the best, one of the best ca pass catchers in the league. Who cares what position he plays? <laughs> We're going to get him the ball. 
Um, but he also, like I said, has the personality that kind of translates well for me to look past this stupid silver blue bullshit on the side of their dumb fucking helmets uh, while they're lif- lifting the fucking Lombardi trophy every year. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, number three for me, Frankie. Good choice. Good choice. Rob did not make my list. Wow. Um, unfortunately. Wow. And and the reason actually he didn't, because I was thinking about put, getting him in and, and, and maybe kicking someone out. But the, the two, ironically, kicking um, you know, for me, another surefire, surefire Hall of Famer, and really the reason why they why they won quite a few of their Super Bowls is Adam Vinatieri. Um, you know, we've had to pick kickers in the past just because we had to make lists and it was kind of barren, but he legitimately earned his spot for me because this dude, I mean, you even with the Colts now, old man Vinatieri, like he, this yeah. dude is incredible. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's kicking. Grant, say what you will about the the tuck rule. Get that fast forward a little bit, and, and they're clearing snow just for him <laughs> to get some sort of grip on yeah. on his plant foot, and he just nails it. I mean, yeah. cold, cold as ice. You know, uh, ice water in the veins. Adam Vinatieri, number two for me. Yeah, he's like 60 years old, still playing for the Colts. It's, it's just what it's a nice gig. Um, yeah, he actually did not make my list for the Patriots because uh, he he. As a patriot, he ruined my my dreams many times. Yeah. Um, but as a Colt, I, I couldn't elevate him past certain Colts players. So it was kind of a conundrum. Um, but yeah, great player. Uh, love him as a Colt. Hate him as a patriot. All that good <laughs> stuff. Number two for me is Wes Welker, uh, the Jewish wonder, as Frank said. Um, not only did he get to play with T- Tom Brady, but yeah, as you mentioned, did get to play with Peyton Manning um, in that in that incredible offense that of, of 2013 where it was just like how the fuck did the fucking broncos not win that fucking super bowl fucking douchebags seahawks whatever uh Wes welker great slot receiver just a guy who's gonna catch everything um yeah I, I, you, you kind of said everything i was gonna say earlier and people forget he was a good kick returner and punt returner as well yeah he was yeah, yeah he was for me Wes welker uh number one for me is a guy that isn't on your list uh i, I don't know. think I, I don't think it goes I, I don't have to say I don't have to say too much. Uh, you know, when he wakes up in the morning, he pisses excellence. <laughs> um, you know, he walks out of his room and he just goes, bah, because he's the goat. Uh, Tom Brady, number one for me. Uh, I mean, that was a pretty easy choice. Um, yeah, he, he can go fuck himself. right. <laughs> uh, I I hate I, I feel like he's like arrogant, but in the way where he's like doesn't pretend you know he's not arrogant and that almost makes it worse yeah uh, i don't know his weird berry juice whatever he's fucking doing with all the health shit I, I don't know he's just a weird guy um you know he kisses his son on the lips what he, <laughs> what can you do uh number one for me frankie my my all-time favorite patriot um and this was kind of a tough one because i had to really think about it I don't think he was going to make my Vikings list because I, I when when he was on the Vikings, I did like him. Um, mm. But I just I just I, I don't know. I wasn't really as into football as I as I as I was when he was on the Patriots. And I felt like it was a good it was a good number. It was a good slot for him. I wanted to get him on a list. He wasn't going to make my Raiders list, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Randy fucking Moss, man. Yeah. That, that one year that he had with with Tom Brady, where Tom Brady set their the touchdown record at forty nine. Um, which Peyton Manning, of course, <laughs> broke a year later. Um, Randy Moss just jumping over the top of people. I mean, just absolutely fucking insane. Uh, the, the stuff he was able to do, uh, there's just literally a play 
called after him. He has a he's a play named after him mossing people. Like yeah, and he's and the the funny thing is is you, you say it and and people instantly know what you're talking about. Yep. Oh, he, the ball was just slightly above the guy's helmet and he just reached over and grabbed it. Um, the personality of him mooning people, mooning Packers fans, that's just incredible right. as well. Um, I absolutely fucking love Randy Moss. Uh, and, and there's one of the funniest videos I've ever seen is um, when he goes back to the Vikings. I, I, if you remember this, remember he, he went, it was like when he was an older player and he went back to the Vikings and then he went to the 49ers and then the Titans for some yeah. strange reason. Uh, but that they made that it was like when that sports center thing was going on, they were making all those like little music videos and stuff like that. And it was the straight cash homie video. Have you seen that? Absolutely <laughs> yeah. fucking incredible. Uh, go check it out. If you haven't seen it, I, I, I love Randy. To the day. Yeah. Randy, he straight, I, cash. straight cash, Frankie, <laughs> straight cash, homie. Uh, but he, um, he's probably going to make my Vikings list. So I couldn't put him on, on the page. Yeah, I gotcha. List. I gotcha. Um, and you know what, before we move on to the dolphins, I did want to say really quick because I was looking at their older rosters and I don't know how the hell it slipped me. I really wish I put junior say on my chargers list. Mm, yeah. That I, I don't know how the hell he was one of my favorite linebackers, but I had to say that cause he did play for the Patriots in the latter part of his career. And I saw yeah. him and I was like, how the fuck did I miss him for San Diego? But, yeah. uh, Anyway, missed that no one. No going back, Frankie. No going back. Um, so quick recap of your Patriots list. Quick, quick recap for me. Five, Wes Welker. Four, Vince Wilfork. Three, Ty Law. Uh, two, Adam Vinatieri. Um, and one, Tom Brady. Uh, number five for me, LeGarrette Blunt. Four, Vince Wilfork. Three, Rob Gronkowski. Two, Wes Welker. One, Randy Moss. Uh, Frank, uh, fuck Teddy Bruschi as well. I didn't, uh, yeah. I always thought he was overrated. Yeah. Uh, so moving on to the Dolphins list, since you uh, started number five for the yep. Patriots, I guess I'll go ahead and start number five for the Dolphins. Uh, someone we talked about last week uh, who was on your Broncos list, um, and I just wanted to make sure I got him on there. I, I couldn't put him on my Bears list, even though he had two really great seasons. It's just not an all-time favorite Bear. Um, Brandon Marshall. I, yeah. I mean, as much as you, you hate the guy's personality, you talked about it last week, the stuff he's done for, for mental health. Uh, for players in the NFL and just play people in general. Um, but as a player, and I mean, he's he was one of the top receivers. And I mean, he still did it with the New York Jets. He Remember, he had like that 1,500-yard season. It was it was insane. Uh, but with the Dolphins, he was just such a good player. And that's why so many Bears fans were excited when they were trading for him because uh, he was so he was an elite wide receiver. Um, he just kind of outstayed his welcome like, you know, other wide receivers have, Terrell Owens, much like. Um, Brandon Marshall, number five for me, Dolphins. There you go. Great choice. He would have made, if he didn't make, if he didn't make my Broncos one, he would have definitely made my Dolphins one. Um, number five for me, another wide receiver, um, a guy who really only had two good years, but in those years, he was really, really good. Uh, Brian Hartline, mm. very fun to watch. Wow. Um, you know, an outside guy as well. I mean, he, he played, he, I mean, him and, and not just because they were white, but like him and Jordy uh, Nelson really played uh, very similar to me. Uh, yeah. um, and he, it, Brian Hartline was, was really, really fun to watch. He's my number five. Okay. Uh, number four for me, um, not a guy with, with great stats. And I feel like a guy people kind of forget about um, just because he was in a weird situation, but um, man, the, the guy that really kind of started the whole wildcat thing in the NFL, Ronnie Brown, uh, good choice, dude, Ronnie Brown. I mean, he was the guy who, who like the, the dolphins were so bad at quarterback and literally couldn't find anyone to start. 
uh, and really haven't solved that issue in in, in a, probably since Dan Marino. Um, <laughs> they, they had to rely on their running back to be able to get them some yards, and it was really the first kind of introduction of, as I mentioned, the wild the wildcat before it took off and every other team started gimmicking it. Now it's kind of been phased out of the league with more of the the RPO type stuff. Uh, but man, Ronnie Brown, when he was in control of that Wildcat, he was in, I remember playing Madden with him all the time. And it was like one of those teams where you're like, I want to be the Dolphin so I can run the Wildcat. Like that yeah, was, yeah. it was just, you could do so much with it. And I just, I, I've always really liked Ronnie Brown. So yeah, number four for me, Ronnie Brown. Good Wildcat. choice. Good choice. And who are you to laugh at me and my, and my mediocre running backs that I've named throughout this process? What are you talking about? Ronnie Brown's an all-time great. You're right. You're right. Uh, so number four for me. <laughs> Um, a dude, and actually, you know, when you talk about guys like Wes Welker, he was really one of the first guys that legitimized that slot receiver um, position, and I think he paved the way for guys like Jarvis Landry, number four for me. A dude who, you know, guys like Wes Welker, guys like Jarvis Landry, I know there's more, and I'm just blanking off the top of my head, but for a very long time, it was just like, oh yeah, they're just slot guys. Like, you you can replace them. And it's like, as you realize, like, no, you, you can't just replace him. Like, sorry, that's not how – like, Danny Amendola isn't Wes Welker. Sorry. Yeah. Hate to break it to you. Like, like these dudes matter, and, and they, they are – they can be an important piece to certain offenses. And, you know, I remember when Jarvis Landry, Landry was a free agent, a bunch of Bears fans like, well, we can't pay him that price tag because he's just a slot receiver. And it's like, well, look at what he's doing in, uh, in Cleveland, Cleveland yeah. with, you know, with really bad coaching and a rookie quarterback – and uh, now he's going in and he gets less defensive attention because you have probably the most talented wide receiver in the league on his team now. Like, the, he, he's a beast. Uh, very fun to watch. But he made his name in Miami. He hasn't done enough uh, to make, uh, you know, uh, the, the Browns list, obviously. But, yeah, Jar- well, I think he actually made yours. So he did enough for you. I, that's not saying much the Browns have sucked historically. But number four for me, Jarvis Landry. Yeah, Jarvis Landry is a is a very good pick, Frank. Um juice i believe as as they call yep. him and you know what's funny about him uh he did not make my list uh jarvis landry did not make my bronze list or okay. my, my dolphins list either um because i just had ronnie ronnie brown had to make it um the the, the thing about jarvis landry is is well, what's funny about odell is that you know i feel like people think of him as like a as a, like a six two you know outside tall wide receiver he's really not he he could probably also play the slot as well yeah. so it just offers those dangerous combinations that you mentioned And Jarvis Landry. I mean, on a Dolphins team where you're starting Ryan Tannehill and, you know, all those goofballs after him, uh, Matt Moore, he still catches a hundred balls every, like every year. He just, he catches everything. Um, so good pick. Uh, number three for me, uh, pass rusher, all, all time, one of the all time greats. And he did it in the cool, like, the good aquamarine jerseys with yep. like the old you know what what Dan Marino wore uh Jason Taylor Jason Taylor was a fucking beast man and uh, I know people who have listened to us have probably know how much we love pass rushers um especially with my Broncos list but yeah man Jason Taylor I, I feel like any play he he I, I he could disrupt any sort of play it didn't it didn't matter you could match him up against anyone and he would still make a play happen so yeah Jason Taylor for me number three Great choice. He's on my list as well. Um, but number three for me is a guy who, you know, really, really good middle linebacker when I was a kid. I Even to a point underrated where like a lot of people didn't even know who he was. But Zach Thomas, 
another number 54, if I'm not mistaken, just like Erlacher. And um, I mean, reminded me just uh, just of the same mold of player, sideline to sideline, tackling machine. I don't think he was as good in coverage as Erlacher was, but uh, in terms of tackles, this this dude was just he he was a beast. Really fun to watch growing up. Uh, number three for me, Zach Thomas. Yeah, number two. He also did it in the cool jerseys. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, I was just gonna say number two for me is Zach was was Zach Thomas as well. Mm. Uh, you gotta love your 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 typical prototypical white uh, <laughs> white middle linebackers. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I absolutely absolutely love Zach Thomas. A, exactly for the same reason you were talking about. He's he's basically Brian, the same player as Brian Erlacher. So uh, yeah, number number two, Zach Thomas, and you kind of hit all the points I needed to make. Perfect. Uh, and then we, we flip flop. Number two for me was Jason Taylor. So we, we were, we were right, right along the same page there. You said everything, uh, monster, um, defensive end. I hated him for a little while because that was the year where, uh, he gave the bears their first loss. I think we were eight, and zero going into Miami and he, uh, picked off Rex Grossman and ran it in to, to kind of put that game away. Uh, so bad memories there, but no awesome player to watch. Really, really, uh, really good player. Uh, number two for me, Jason Taylor. Frank, number one for me uh, is a guy who, along with Geno Atkins, is one of the players that I've always had a special connection with just because um, he was a player that I, I was telling people for a long time that they were really good, and uh, no one really knew who he was, and no one really kind of gave him any credit. Um, so it kind of made me validate, and I was kind of like, oh, maybe I do know what I'm talking about when it comes to <laughs> comes to football. Uh, but specifically, uh, a guy who who had to play in the Canadian League for a while and didn't really break onto the scene for for a while, and and you know kind of made a name for himself. Um, but when he did, he was an absolute monster. Uh, Cameron Wake, uh, Cameron Choice. Wake, 98 career sacks. Um, I mean, there were a couple years where he there was two years where he had over 14 sacks in in one seat. Like it's just he was an absolute monster. 22 forced fumbles. Um, he was a real star player on a defensive line that didn't really have a lot of talent. And, you know, once the Dolphins were starting to kind of garner that attention of maybe maybe they are going to be competitive, maybe they can challenge the Patriots for a division title. Obviously, they never did. Um, you know, Cam Cam Wake was the reason that he was a guy that they were building around. Um, and I mean, he's he started in a league at 27. He's 37 now, but he's still playing and he's still able to, to get pressure um, and just play like a big time guy. So Cam Wake always number one for me uh, for the Miami Dolphins. Great choice. Yeah, um, he did not make my list. Um, number one for me. You already touched on the Wildcat. He was also an in- integral part of that. Ronnie um, Brown's number one for you, Frankie. Ronnie, Ronnie Brown is not number one oh. for me, unfortunately. Um, but a guy who couldn't lay off the weed, <laughs> uh, Ricky Williams. Um, very Dick very Williams, funny. huh? Very fun player to watch, man. And then yeah. especially when you go back to like when he took that year or two off and he's just like full hippie, beard, yeah. <laughs> dreads, just like stoned out of his mind on, yep. on the ESPN uh, yep. interview. He was great, man. But also, I mean, just in terms of talent, I do feel like that, you know, things like that um, overshadowed how good of a player that he actually was. Because w- when you look back, the history book is going to tell the of the guy who quit football because he couldn't stop smoking weed. And it's like, once we get past weed, the the stigma of what that is, granted, I'm not a smoker, so I, I, I don't, you know, but whatever, but I, I could care less about it. Like he, hopefully he's remembered in history for the player he was and not the fact that he liked marijuana. I just think well, it's silly, he, but he was a great player. And for being a, being sort of a bust in, in New Orleans after they traded their entire team for him. Um, 
Yeah. You know, if you remember that, uh, the Koch did that one. Uh, so yeah, so uh, just a quick recap: Brandon Marshall, Ronnie Brown, Jason Taylor, Zach Thomas, Cam Wake for me, Frankie. Yeah, what you for me? Uh, Brian Hartline, Jarvis Landry, Zach Thomas, Jason Taylor, and Ricky Williams. You know, honestly, Frank, the the Dolphins list was not as hard to to come up with as I thought it was going to be. I started going through those those rosters. And I'm like, oh man, I f- fucking love Bronny Brown. Oh man, I I love Zach. Yeah. It's like it just kind of started coming into place. Um, and of course, I knew Cam Wake would be number one for me. Um, this week wasn't as bad. Uh, next week, <laughs> next week might get a little rough uh, with the uh, with the Jets and uh, with with uh, the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. Uh, it, I, I I don't know. Mark Sanchez, absolutely number one for me on the Jets list. Um, but fumble and all, how, how could you not? Who, who are you going to put above him? No Bart one. Scott, can't wait. Well, Bart Scott, yeah, he's he's got to be on there. We'll find him. <laughs> uh, I think that'll uh, I think that just about does it for this week's edition of the Corked Up Podcast with Frank uh, Neris and Jack Savio. Uh, it's been a pleasure, Frank. Uh, as always, you guys can follow us on Twitter at Jack underscore Savio five at Frankie G Lyrical at Two Cents Pods, which is our home umbrella, if you will, and of course uh, the Corked Up Podcast on Twitter. Uh, Frank, have a good weekend. Enjoy the Cubs Cardinals series. Uh, if you can, it'll be it'll be fine. Um, and other than that, first preseason game is right around the corner, Frankie. It is, and I'm okay. excited. Have a good one, Frankie. Thank you guys so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. See you guys next week. Bye-bye.